Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have a Skull Edition podcast for you to recap the sixth win in a row for your Minnesota Vikings, a game in which they got off to a quick start, battled back from some late game and ref interference, and ended with a Greg Joseph game-winning kick. And on the fly home ended with Kirko Chains, shirt off and all, as they head back to Minneapolis, four and a half games ahead of the second and third team in the division. What a week and what a time to be a Minnesota Viking fan. We recap that and all here on this episode of the His and Hers podcast, Skull Edition Instant Reaction. Artie Page, it was a game that experienced some up and downs. It looked like Kirk Cousins was going to make a lot of people pay on that first drive, starting five for five, hitting Justin Jefferson for those, the newfound Hawkinson on one, throwing the touchdown strike. They experienced some adversity, some really weird Heineke plays, one where the ref tackled Cam Bynum or put his shoulder down and trucked him. And the Vikings find themselves at the end of another one-score win. Each of these six games have been won by one score, which is just remarkable considering how it's been the last couple of years. And here we are sitting at 7-1. As I mentioned, four and a half games ahead of the Green Bay Packers, and I think it's five and a half of the, of the Bears. Here's an interesting stat before we dive into it. Not saying it'll happen. But if the Vikings go 2-0, they play at Buffalo, which we'll talk about how tough that'll be. Uh, they then play um, at home against Cowboys, a game we will be at. That's awesome. Uh, and then if the Packers and Bears lose, go 0-2, and the, and the Lions go 1-2 uh, and two, uh, over the next uh, – or, yeah, 1-2 and two over the next three, then the Vikings could be playing at home Thanksgiving night for the division against the New England Patriots. How nuts of a concept – is that not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just saying the fact that it's even a possibility this early in the season speaks to how well things have gone for the Vikings and how poorly things have gone for everybody else in the division. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, baby. That's exciting stuff. And not to get too excited. There's obviously a lot of football to be played, but with how the Packers lions and the bears all uh, played, I mean, Lions pulled out a win today, but they're out of the division clearly from, unless there's some sort of miracle that happens. And so with the Packers and Bears both falling today and the Vikings just being able to solidify a, a larger lead, the largest lead in the NFL in any of the divisions, it's just exciting to start thinking about those stats that are possibilities. Yeah, it's it's just a ton of fun. You know, you look at this team, they um, it seems like they enjoy one another's company, um, I think is the number one thing. Obviously, winning locker room will do a ton of that. But, uh, you know, it kind of felt that a lot of these veterans, the reason why this new leadership came in, you know, because I, I believe that Quasey and, and Kevin O'Connell came in with this idea that they probably were going to tear things down. But after doing interviews, after being in the building, after talking to a lot of these guys, they could sense, man, this team's actually a lot closer than their record indicated over the last couple of years. This team has a camaraderie. They, they really do believe in Kirk Cousins. Jefferson loves Kirk Cousins. Uh, maybe we should give it a run, you know, and, and here they are. But how big of an addition was TJ Hawkinson at the trade deadline? One that came out of nowhere. Huge. 
but how big of a role did he play? Well, huge. And it's just crazy to see him having such an impact five days after the trade happened. Like for him to be able to come in here, get over 70 yards and to just be there in the moments that we needed. That was one of the biggest missing pieces of the Vikings offense was having a tight end that Kirk Cousins could target when Jefferson and Thielen are covered well. And so it was just really, really exciting to see him um, in such a quick turnaround time, be able to have such a big impact on the game. And this is only good things to come as him and Cousins and the rest of the offense get more comfortable with each other. No, I mean, I think it was either I'll have to go back and look at the number of stats, uh, uh, snaps that were on the offense, but it was either 55 or 65. I saw this really quickly. And TJ Hawkinson played all but six of them on the offensive side of the ball. And as you mentioned, coming just on Tuesday, being traded over and learning the playbook, one of the unique things that I've read about it is uh, if you watch Hard Knocks, David Blau, it was in competition for the second string quarterback uh, in Detroit over the offseason. Gets cut. We picked him up. He's on the practice squad. And that's who spent the last four days with TJ Hawkinson going over the playbook, drilling it down, um, doing some late nights. That, and I read it was that, uh, last night in the hotel room as well. But it just speaks to his wanting to win, to not only get here, um, you know, understand the route tree and some of the route combinations, but also blitz pickup and run run protection. And obviously they didn't run block very well in this game. You know, that was probably one of the biggest reasons the commanders were in this game was stuffing the run and also the defensive line getting in the pass, uh, you know, disrupting the passing game. But overall, what we saw from Hawkinson, nine catches, nine targets, 70-something yards, is something that is super encouraging because you got Jefferson over the top, you got Thielen working that intermediary outside leverage game, and then you got Hawkinson over the middle. It's going to be scary when they have some more time to put this stuff together. Yeah, just a great outshowing overall. Obviously, as you mentioned, this game had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, it was kind of a roller coaster of emotion, obviously, with the Vikings coming out, having such an incredible first drive. Jay Jettas was hot. Kirk was hot. Just a beautiful first drive. We go up 7-0, and then we stay at seven points until late. And so let's just talk through some numbers. Um, Cousins completed 22 of 40 passes for 265 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception which it's one of those interceptions where it should be on the receiver and not on the quarterback because it hit Jay Jettas right in the hands. And it hey, I can, yeah, head. I can live with him tossing up to Jay Jettas. That is, that's what we yeah. want to see is aggressive Kirk. I love that. Exactly. And the, I think the biggest thing that was interesting about this game is that um, this uh, Vikings fans will be aware of this being uh, for the past couple of years with Kirk Cousins. Um, we've had these games where we have this amazing first drive and then we don't score the rest of the game or we score garbage points at the end. And so this was kind of a theme. It felt like for a little bit of. Um, so it felt kind of reminiscent of that, of, oh, look, we're getting shut down completely. The commander's defense, like, has it on lock. We're not able to do anything. But when you're actually watching the game, you're seeing that Kirk Cousins had a really great game in terms of he, the targets he hit that were dropped were completely on the receivers. Jay Jettas, Osborne, Thielen all dropped huge balls that would have had a huge impact on the game. Not only Justin Jefferson's missed touchdown that turned into an interception, but also on when we get out in the third quarter, he dropped a huge one for 30-something 30, 30 yards. And so it's just interesting to think when you're in the middle of that game, it's starting to feel like, oh, this is the same old Vikings that we're accustomed to. But then you see them kind of 
Kevin O'Connell kind of changes up the play calling. They come at it with a different approach. And the Vikings get back into this game. They went, they go on a 13 point winning uh, point advantage over the commanders without the commander scoring the rest of the game. And finally, it kind of turned back into our favor. And so I think that was the biggest takeaway as a Vikings fan was just the excitement around like, this is a different team. And it's so hard for Vikings fans to kind of get to that point of like accepting that because we're so used to like these last minute disappointments. I mean, even just like when the field goal kicker goes on to, to we have great Joseph going out there to seal the game for us. And all of us are just sitting there like, Oh no, it's going to be another Vikings experience <laughs> where the field goal kicker and we have to go into overtime with this. But so it was just kind of cool to see that like this new offense, this new strategy, the new coaching, the new management, it's having a major impact and it's making it. So the Vikings are now six and zero this year in one point in one score games last year, they went six and eight in one score games. So it's just right. amazing to see how, uh, how this coaching staff has turned this team around. Yeah, um, and I think it just goes to show you um, the point differential for the Vikings in the fourth quarter this year is plus 33, um, which is second in the NFL. I didn't catch uh, on that stat who was was number one. Wouldn't be surprised if it's like the Chiefs or Bills or something. Um, but I think that's an important stat because when you win a lot, when you uh, are in a lot of these close games and, and you just kind of see it around the league, you can listen to our overall NFL reaction pod. But, I mean, look at these – Look at the scores of, of week nine. You know, you have the Jets beating the Bills, which is, you know, it's in New York. It's a tough place to play because anytime you play on the road, it's hard. The Dolphins squeak out a three-point win against the Bears. The Jaguars win by seven, a one-score game. Um, the Lions beat the Packers in a one-score game. The um, Chargers beat the Falcons in a one-score game. Like the NFL, there isn't typically a ton of separation and right now the Buccaneers and Rams are in a battle where it's 16-13 at the tail end of that game so it doesn't matter how you win in the NFL as long as you're winning games it's in that and that's what always infuriates me when you listen to these uh, you know I listen to a lot of like pro football talk and um, you know uh, uh, Bill Simmons and and some of these other major sports writers and, and you know people that talk about the game and it's always like well they just kind of pulled another one out of their butt and it's like yeah but if it's constantly happening it's not just a coincidence when it happens six times in a row there's something very real about the belief that you know they have in coach o'connell and that o'connell has back in them particularly in kirk cousins to make those plays and he's kind of crushing that narrative right now of the fourth quarter we saw it over the last couple of years where he would drive the team down that either tied or take the lead. And then the defense would immediately give it back. And this year um, it's been a lot of late scores, but then the defense doing their part this year um, to, you know, secure the wins in these tight football contests. Yeah. And it's just exciting to see just a variety of players really step up and have big moments. I mean, it's easy to focus on like, the Kirk Cousins, but it's also awesome to think about like the players who have like a huge impact that maybe you don't think about as much. And I mean, even just seeing how um, Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, um, how they're able to have such an impact in the game of putting pressure on the quarterbacks. Taylor Heineke was having a good game overall. He was excited. The crowd was pumped. They were chanting his name. Like he was having <laughs> his moment in the third quarter. And it was cool to see how, even with that momentum swing, especially like we throw the interception right before halftime. So the commanders are able to stop that. And then 
they get the ball to start the second half. And so it was just the momentum. It felt like the commanders were crushing the Vikings just from the momentum, the excitement, the crowd. And mm -hmm. they weren't ever ahead that much, but right. it felt like the momentum was all on their side. And so it was so fun to just see like the Vikings be able to take that momentum and swing it back the other way. One of the biggest, obviously key pieces of this entire game is Harrison Smith with an interception yes. that changed the whole trajectory. I think of the game, I'd really love, I'm going to put together a stat for next time of how many games the Vikings have won when Harrison Smith has an interception, because I bet that is a <laughs> really good number for Harrison Smith's side, but obviously he almost got into the end zone there. I was kind of bummed for him that he didn't, he was pushing so hard to get there. <laughs> yeah, it would have been sweet, but then we would have uh we wouldn't have been blessed with Dalvin Cook's one-handed one-handed grab. Yeah, that was beautiful. So that was beautiful. I, I think that it was worth it on its own. And I think that speaks to how unique of the offensive uh, power that the Vikings have at their disposal. You have a running back you can run a wheel route being held and catch that, you know, a one one-handed touchdown. And the officials in this game were a little spotty. There were some kind of weird plays that th that were called. There was, a, you know, you want to talk about spotty. There was a, a specific play where Cam Bynum's in, in position to make that interception and is trucked by the downfield official who was trying to get out of the way. But if we'd lost the, that game, that would have been uh, my biggest talking point. Yeah. But since we won, we're okay with it. And then, you know, they they got the call right on the pass interference that was a pick six momentarily, but they allowed the game to be pretty physical. There were, Even that interception at right before half, you know, there's a lot of officiating crews that probably would have called a pass interference on that um, and given the Vikings the ball on the one-yard line. Uh, and then, you know, for a game that they allowed to be really physical, the commanders make a blunder um, where they would have gotten the ball uh, back with, uh, I think, just over two minutes left and a touchdown, only down three. Bless John Ridgeway is all I'm going to say. Bless yeah, him. John lines up over the over the center. So the new thing in the NFL is because the long snapper's got to put his head down. Um, they want to protect him and obviously his you know his whole frame because there was a lot of teams trying to shoot the shoot the gaps um, on that long snapper, which in his job is just incredibly difficult. And so you can't line up directly over the top and you can't hit him immediately either, um, which he did a both. And he gave the – it's a personal foul. It's not even like a five-yard penalty. It's 15 yards and an automatic first down, which obviously the Vikings were in a goal-to-go situation. So they were able to melt the clock all the way down to um, – was it 30 seconds or something? Or was it six, – no, it was 16 seconds, right, that they got the kickoff 16 with? 16 seconds. Which then just led to one play by the commanders, the fumble ruski, um, and and that was all she wrote. So the officiating crew had a couple weird moments. You know, it's a pretty big call even though it, it would be the correct one as it was confirmed by the, you know, the commentators and the, I think Pereira um, on the officiating side, but it's just always tough. If you're a commander's fan, I, I get your pain. You make the stop and you, and you lose the game on, on just kind of a dumb blunder uh, by your, your, your rookie, not knowing the playbook or, I mean the rule book as well as he should have. So just kind of unfortunate way for that game to end. Not, yeah, not for sure. us, but you know what I mean. Yeah. If you're, if, <laughs> if you're not a Commanders for, fan, I get your pain. Yeah, um, I'm gonna, you know, the best play of the whole game to me. There were some really awesome ones. Obviously, Dalvin Cook's amazing one-handed grab. My favorite play of the whole game was the bowling setup that the defense did on Harrison Smith's <laughs> interception. That will just, I'll just watch that over and over again.
<laughs> yeah, and then Jordan Hicks being the wobbly pin and falling down. It was uh it was perfectly executed all the way down the stretch. So um you know, I think there's a lot of great things to take away. Uh, getting another road win is important for the Vikings. Um, obviously, they travel for another road game against the Bills. And, you know, their schedule, that, you know, we talked about this at length, that winning this game was really important because of the stretch that they have upcoming, um, where they play the Bills in Buffalo. They then are home for the Cowboys Patriots, Patriots Thanksgiving night. Um, so only a you know four-day rest in between games. And then it's the Jets. So they have a three-game homestand after this Bills trip. Um, and then it finishes with the Lions, Colts, Giants, Packers, and Bears. So particularly, yeah. I mean, these next four, you know, these next five games, because the Vikings have always had a hard time in Detroit. You know, we saw that Green Bay just lose there as well. This next five-game stretch is really going to be um, kind of where they can start separating themselves from not just their division like they've had, but also from, you know, the teams fighting for that two seed like the Cowboys, um, which would be a big win because that two seed, hey, you get that, you get the guaranteed two games at home. You don't get the buy anymore, but you get the two games at home if you were to win in the wild card. And if the one team slips up, you got the conference championship at home. So these are these are the games, these are the moments where you got to kind of start kind of stepping up and winning a lot of these games and hey maybe the eagles have a faltering couple weeks stretch that fingers the vikings, crossed fingers, fingers crossed. crossed it's kind of weird you know the, the last great viking season um you know obviously we had 20 you know 18 17 18 when they won the one or 18 19 when they won the playoffs against the saints but lost in the division round against the raiders case keenum's year it's weird that the years match up where the eagles are just one game ahead of the Vikings in the regular season again, because that's what happened in that year as well. So if it happens where we have to go, and this is way, way, way up ahead, but it'd be really annoying if the NFC Championship game is in Philadelphia again, because I'll I hate that mind. place. That place that is place. the worst place in the world to play. I don't think anyone Seriously. can beat them at night. So, um, but I'm excited. Yeah. Obviously, when you go in your six game winning streak, it's a it's a good feeling for sure. Seriously, and just I know we talked about Hawkinson again, but just wanted to say nine completions on nine targets. So 100% today from Hawkinson and Kirk Cousins. So, man, we've got some exciting things up ahead. <laughs> Nothing but beautiful things to say. Any last comments uh, before we close this one out? Skull. Skull, baby. Uh, later this week, we'll have our preview pod for that Bills game. Again, the Bills fall to 6-2 and two today with a loss against the Jets. Let me know if you have that on your bingo card. Um, <laughs> obviously going to be a tough place to play against one of the better teams in the NFL, but this is a week where the Vikings could prove uh, to a lot of people, not that it really matters, but could prove a lot to themselves as well about their legitimacy this year, not just as a really tough playoff contender, but as a real threat in a weak, weak NFC to make a run at the Super Bowl. Because if you look across the landscape, this this is putting together to be the year to be an NFC contender because you might have some easy layups early on in the playoffs. So, Skull! <laughs>